What amazes you? Is it the sound of a baby laughing? A sunset on the beach? Perhaps a flower blooming? Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church, and we are on a series called Amazed, where we will discover biblical stories of amazement that will bless your life. Hope you enjoy this message. There's a story of a man that uh, went on a journey, actually a hike, and he was traveling uh, on this hike and got lost, and he found himself wandering in the desert for two, three days. And you know what that would be like if the sun is beating down on you and you're walking through the desert. As he had no more uh, water, he was beginning to dry out and get fatigued and, and uh, dehydrated and losing hope. And one of those days, as he's just kind of making his way through the desert, he sees up ahead just a, a little shadow of something that gives him hope. It, it looks like a little building, and as he makes his way closer and closer, he realizes it's an abandoned cabin. He walks in the cabin hoping to find some source of water, and he sees nothing. But back in the corner, there's this little opening of a window sill. Well, it used to be a window, and he could see an old well. He walks up to the old well, and you can imagine as he grabs a hold of that lever, he begins to press it with everything that he has. The only thing that comes out is dust. But sitting right beside the well is a little note in a can, and he opens up the note, and it says this, Dear stranger, the pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer in it, and it should last for quite a few years. But the washer dries out, and the pump needs to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a jar of water out of the sun and corked. There should be enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some of it first. I need you to pour about a fourth of the water into the pump and let her soak in for a moment so that it wets the leather washer. Then put the rest, then put the rest medium fast and pump hard. You'll get water. Have faith. This has never run dry. When you get watered up, fill the water bottle back up, put it back as you found it for the next stranger who comes this way. The question I would have for you and the question I would have for myself is would you drink that water in the jar or would you believe what that note said and pour water, all of that water, into the pump? Today, we continue our series, Amazed. Last week, it was Amazing Courage. Today, it's amazing faith. Will you walk on this journey with me this morning? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you humbled. We come to you overwhelmed by how good you are and how much you truly do love us. God, we come with hearts filled with so many different things. Some of us come here just so fired up and excited about life, and some of us are barely hanging on, and the rest of us find ourselves somewhere on that spectrum. Lord, only you 
can meet all of us at where we're at and can take us to where you want us to be. God, do your thing through your Holy Spirit here this morning. May we hear your words and may they bring hope and life to each person here today. I love you. We love you. In the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Can we say amazing faith? Are you ready? Amazing faith. Let's say that again. Amazing faith. I want this half. You say amazing, this half's going to say faith. You ready? Amen. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's, it is amazing, but I, I think there's an equation, and I get to share that equation with you today. And again, that's kind of the Rob Denton equation. I'll just tell you right there. I didn't pull it out of, you know, John chapter 4 or, or Ecclesiastes or anything like that, but I believe it's biblical. And so I want to start with a, a background, though, for our passage that we're going to hang out in today. Uh, just so you know, so you can get prepared, we're going to be going uh, through Mark chapter 9. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. These fine gentlemen are going to make their way down while the rest of you could turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark is in the New Testament. You've got the first book, which, which is Matthew, and then you've got Mark. There's, there's three guys, Peter, James, and John. They're disciples. They're, they're, they're men, a part of the 12 that Jesus has called to follow uh, him. And he's investing in them. But these three... Uh, sort of had a special relationship with Jesus. You could call, say that they were, uh, they would say they were the teacher's pet. Jesus wouldn't say that, but uh, they were kind of the inner circle of the inner circle, if you could say that. These, these three men just had what I would call a mountaintop experience. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience where you kind of go up in the mountains, you get away from technology, you get into nature, and you just have this aha moment with God? I've had many of those as we've gone up to Angeles Crest, and it's just awesome. Well, these guys had the mountaintop experience of mountaintop experiences because they got to go up there, and they're with Jesus, and, and then there's this interaction where Elijah and Moses show up. And, and again, we're not going to talk about this part of the story other than, that. can you imagine? They'd learned about these men. They'd heard about these men. They'd taught about these men, and they get to hang out on top of this mountain with Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. It would be like Robbie Denton at nine years old getting to hang out with Steve Garvey, Ron Say, and Davy Lopes. Now, some of you are like going to have to fact check that and look it up. I'll just tell you, they were the Dodger infield when Robbie Denton first started watching the Dodgers. I know some of you are going like, you just compared Steve Garvey, Ron Say, and Davy Lopes to Elijah, Jesus, and Moses. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, these guys are fired up. They're so excited. And this is said, or this is shared in Mark chapter 9. This is important for us to understand because this is sort of the stage is being set here. They were able to experience something wonderful, but then there's... There's those of you that are so compassionate, you're like, but what about the other nine? They didn't get to go. What happened? 
Glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. Scripture's going to tell you. Let's go to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to go to verse 14. By the way, what I just gave the background to, you can find that in Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through uh, 13. So in chapter 9 of Mark, verse 14, it says, when they came to the other disciples. So, so when they came, who's that? It's Jesus. It's Peter. It's James and it's John. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law. And they were holding hands singing Kumbaya. Or this says there was some arguing going on. And, and I don't know, you know, you, you're kind of feeling like you just had this mountaintop experience. You just got to hang with Jesus, and, and you know that you're all that. That's why you got to go there, and these guys, and you're coming back, and you see this large crowd, and you see this arguing. You got to wonder what these three disciples are thinking. Like, it's like, man, we just left you just for a few hours, and you're really already screwing things up. And that's that's what maybe the disciples are thinking. I'm thinking, what's Jesus thinking? He's like, oh, no, what is going on? What are they arguing about? It says, as soon as all the people, in verse 15, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, so all this argument's going on, but then Jesus showed up. As soon as they saw Jesus, they were what? They were overwhelmed with what, church? They were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Loose translation, which is not really a loose translation, they were amazed. They were blown away. It was one of those, oh my goodness moments. We're going to stop all this arguing and there's Jesus. And the Bible says when they saw Jesus, what was their response? It says they were overwhelmed and they ran to what? They ran to greet him. They were pleasantly surprised. They were excited. And, and I, I want to, uh, just because you got up so early, I'm going to give you kind of a bonus part of the sermon here. I'm not sure I'm going here in the other uh, services. But I, I, as I was studying this this week, I thought, wait a second, Rob, wait a second. These guys see Jesus, and their response was wonder and awe. They were blown away. They were amazed by Jesus. They ran to him when they saw him. And I'm sitting in my office, and I had to stop for a moment. I had to close my book, and I had to really check myself. And it probably wasn't one of the best biblical answers that one could give. It's certainly not one that you would hope your pastor gave. But here's what I asked myself. Are you still in wonder of Jesus? Does Jesus still blow you away, Rob Denton? Are you in awe with Jesus? Now, church, that's a fair question, isn't it, for all of us to ask? Especially for those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a long time. I don't know if you could think back far enough. Uh, for some of you, for me, it's 30 years. But I... I, I, I I can remember when I take time to remember, I can remember like it was yesterday, giving my life to the Lord. If you saw Rob Denton walking on West Valley's church campus along with some of the other young adults, I'm telling you, it was 
praise God this, praise God that. I, I, was so, I was so changed by Jesus. I was so overwhelmed with this new life that I had. I was so overwhelmed with forgiveness. I was so overwhelmed with this new Jesus because the Jesus that I had been taught my whole life was someone that I was supposed to be afraid of, someone that was going to zap me if I made a wrong choice. But I learned about this gracious Jesus. I learned about a Jesus that loved me. I, I learned about a Jesus that had purpose for me. I learned about a Jesus that, that, that wanted to, to, to work in and through me. And there was a sense of awe and wonder. And in my life of walking with Christ, if I'm vulnerable and real with you, I would say that that awe comes and goes. How about you? Are you still in awe of Jesus? Or have you and I become so familiar with them that the name is like, yeah, okay, yeah. It's church time. It's time to worship him, or it's time to read the Bible, or it's time to talk to him, or yeah, Christmas is coming. Oh, baby Jesus. You know, all that kind of stuff. I, again, side note, but maybe it's not the side note for you today. Maybe it's the very thing that God wants you to hear. I personally think that if I've walked away from that awe of Jesus, I need to find that again. It would be said this way in Scripture, that first that first love. Well, I, um, well, I have to say this. How many of you heard, were here last night? Raise your hand. Yes. Last night, I don't know if you could have walked out of here not being in awe of Jesus. Last night, we had to keep, I think we brought in another 60 chairs in here, and there was still people standing all the way back there. Worship was amazing. Getting to glorify God and what he's doing in and through you guys is amazing. The changed lives that we got to celebrate last night. I think we're close to 40 people have been baptized this year. That brings you to just incredible life change and awe. Amen? All right. So here, Jesus shows up on the scene. The people are in wonder. They come running to him. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is the formula, in my opinion, for amazing faith. Number one, moves. What do you mean? Well... Let's start peeling back this story and seeing what happens. In verse 16, it says, what are you arguing with them about, he asked. Verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, Jesus, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples, those men 
that have been following you. The men that I heard help feed 5,000 people and saw that miracle. The men that watched you turn water into wine. The men that, that stepped, one of them stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. The ones that saw your powerful teaching, the ones that have walked with you. We asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could, but they could they could not. Here's these guys that, that are been walking with Jesus. They've seen him. They've, they, they've experienced him. And, and we brought my, I brought my boy to him. And, and, and it's not just, uh, just any boy. It's my boy. And it's my boy that's struggling, struggling. And if you look at all the kind of effects that happen in this life, it would be epilepsy, Right? And we could see that he would have perhaps maybe these seizures and he was struggling. Could you imagine? And some of you don't even have to imagine. You know what it looks like. Could you imagine seeing your child struggle like this? As a father, your chest, your heart and your chest must be pounding. It must be hurting. You, 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 if you're like me, when, when I watch my son struggle with his asthma, and I know what that's like because I've had that my whole life, I just say, Lord, I want, I, let me breathe like my son. Take that away from him and put it on me. There's no father that want to do that, amen? I, I can't imagine what this man is experiencing. So he brings them to, to Jesus' disciples, hopes that they could do something, and the Bible says they failed. It says they couldn't do anything about it. Well, I told you to write down the word move or moves. We, here's Rob Denton speaking, we can't have amazing faith if we're sitting on our rear end. Faith moves. Faith involves action. And this father did not sit in his recliner at home with a remote control in his hands, partially because they didn't have TV or recliners back then. But he didn't sit on his rear end and going, oh, this really stinks. This really is awful. Poor woe is me. I can't do anything for my son. What he did is what he knew he could do. He didn't know what. He didn't know how, but he knew he had to do something. And so what he did is he moved. He took his son to the best thing that he could think of, and that's the disciples of Jesus. Amazing faith moves. Amen? He brought. He brought is a verb. A verb is action. He brought his son eventually to Jesus. Now I want you to write this down. Faith is not just moving, but it's moving in the right direction towards Jesus. Faith is not just moving, but it's moving in the right direction towards Jesus. I believe this father was struggling. I believe this father was hurting. I I believe perhaps this father was at the end of his rope. And as you read verse 18, it's heartbreaking. Whenever 
It seizes him. It throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at the teeth, and becomes rigid. I don't think amazing faith actually even happens until we're real. And this father's just being real, isn't he? He's like, Jesus, this rips my heart when I see my son like this. And in, in this, and this is for us men especially, he's admitting a real need, isn't he? I had the opportunity to speak to a, another church this week uh, to their men's group at a dinner. And I have to be honest, I, I, I love, you know, uh, being able to do whatever I can to speak God's word into anyone's life. But man, if I could get men in a room, and it's not because I don't care about or love you women, but you just seem to have it together a little bit more than us men. You can say amen, ladies. It's all right. Amen. But I just believe the answer to our world's problems is men falling in love with Jesus. And being the best single men, being the best married men, and being the best fathers. And if we could get a hold on that, this world is going to change. But part of it, us, part of our DNA, ladies, is um, it's hard for us to say we can't. It's hard for us to rely on anybody else but ourselves. And yet we see in this story, this man is at such a place that he just goes, I need help. And he moves. And he doesn't move towards drug. And he doesn't move towards relationships. And he doesn't move towards alcohol. And he doesn't move towards success. He moves towards Jesus. Man, the best thing we could ever do in our lives is move towards Jesus. And by the way, that's true for all of us in this room. The best thing we could do if we want to experience amazing faith, is to move towards Jesus. A quote I came across this week says, when we face despair because the task seems too large, we should leave it in the hands of God. Let him do the work that needs to be done. My response to that quote was, this seems so obvious, and yet it's so easily missed. <laughs> right? It seems so obvious, but it's so easily dismissed. Dad saw this situation was beyond him. So he did something about it. And he took his son to Jesus. What are you needing to take to Jesus today? Is it a relationship? Is it a son or a daughter? Is it a marriage? Is it your singleness? 
Is it your health? Is it your finances? Is it your pastor? Is it your church? What is it that you're needing to take to Jesus today? Where you just need to be real and vulnerable and say, Lord, I need your help. I know it doesn't take long for me to have a list that starts running. I wish it was one item, but I've got many on that. Because you know what I say, and I, 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 zero exaggeration, I say this daily, and I can't even tell you maybe how many times in a day I say this. And I don't know if it's wise, but it's Rob. I wake up, and throughout the day, I say, I can't but you can. I, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you how many times I say that a day. I can't, but you can. The second part of this equation <laughs> may surprise you. It may even cause you to not want to walk through amazing faith, but I'm just trying to be real as I walk through Scripture. Move plus struggle. You want amazing faith? I have yet to see this second element not be a part of amazing faith. As I read the story of Noah, as I read the story of Adam and Eve, as I read the story of Elijah, as I read the story of Elisha, Rahab the prostitute, Ruth, Naomi, you talk David. You read the stories of Scripture. Amazing faith always meant that they had to move, but in that movement, there was always struggle. Now, some of you may not like that, but some of you are going to grab a hold of this and go, oh my gosh, praise God, I'm not the only one. I've watched it in my own life. It's, 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 it's that metamorphosis, right? It's that, it's that caterpillar that has to press through the cocoon in order to become a what? A butterfly. And we want to all be a butterfly without having to go through that metamorphosis, without having to go through that struggle of getting out of the cocoon. We want to become the diamond without the pressure of being coal for however long. We always want that beautiful thing, but we don't want the struggle. And I'm not saying go after struggle. Please don't go after struggle. It will find its way into your life on its own. Can I get an amen on that one? But just know this, God is not looking down on you. So many times I have people in my office or at Starbucks or wherever I meet with people going, oh my gosh, I'm going through this hard time. Oh my goodness, I'm going through a struggle. That must mean God is against me, not for me. That must mean I've done something wrong in my life. That must mean God doesn't care about me. And I want to say, pause, hold, stop. That's stinking thinking. God absolutely loves you. And sometimes we have to go through that stuff so we can become the diamond, so we can become the butterfly. God didn't say, Noah, I'm going to have you to build this ark, and, and it's because of this, this, and this. And then Noah just went, okay, God, let's go do this. He had to struggle through that process. Elijah, you read his story, the struggle. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, the struggle. They were in the fire before they saw God dancing with them in the fire. So there's going to be struggle. Again, don't ask for it. Don't look for it. It'll, it'll show up. 
See, Jesus has the three big guns on a field trip. And everyone left behind those other nine disciples. Maybe they were feeling left out. Maybe they were hurt because they weren't invited to the mountaintop. Maybe they were struggling with self-pity. And it was affecting their faith. And maybe this is why they couldn't do anything about this man's son. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. And I would suggest that maybe even struggle perhaps is something that some of us are dealing with right here, right now in this moment. Well, look at what Jesus' response is in verse 19. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. If you struggle in your faith, look at me. If you struggle in your faith, that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. As a matter of fact, I think it's part of just being a human being is to have those moments where you feel like you're all alone, that you wonder if God's really there. Why I could say it's okay? Because this book is a testimony of men and women over and over again that struggled with their faith. And God's big enough Check this one out, understatement of the sermon. God's big enough to handle your lack of faith. Because here's the deal, whether I believe he's real or not, he's real. He's not up there going, oh my gosh, Rob's struggling with it, so now I have a crisis identity. I don't know, maybe I'm not God. God is God. You just got to struggle through that and press through it and know that you're not a bad person. My personal opinion. This dad was straight up at where he was with his faith. Why do I know that? Check this out. Jesus says, oh, unbelieving generation in verse 19. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring me the boy. So they brought him, the boy. When the spirit saw Jesus, and immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell over the ground and rolled around and around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has this been happening? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into a fire of water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity and help us, help us, help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Verse 24, immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I could relate to this. How about you? He's, he's human, just like you and I. He's stuck. He's frustrated. He doesn't want know what to do. He wants amazing faith. That's why he's moving towards Jesus, but he understands the struggle. He's saying, I believe, I believe, but I also have this unbelief. Jesus, help me with it. By the way, that is great, great Great advice for us today. 
I know you're real, but I don't always feel like, God, help me. I believe in you, but I struggle. Help my unbelief. Which leads us to the last part of the equation. Move plus struggle plus trust equals amazing faith. Because what we eventually have to get to is just trusting God, don't we? It's the I can't, but you can. It's the you are all that and I am not. Help me. Help me, the dad says. Help me. I can't, but you can. And the boy was healed. Why? Because he was brought to Jesus. What is going to help you in your situation is it all boils down to this. You're going to bring it to Jesus. Period. Explanation mark. And was the boy healed so that the boy could be healed? I would say no. The boy was healed so Jesus could be glorified. You're going to have to sit on that one for a little bit. Because the trust part means, God, this is what I'm bringing to you, but you got to do with it what you want to do with it so that you could be glorified, not so that my road could be easy. The dad says, it's all yours. Here's another phrase I would love for you to write down. Amazing faith is not a perfect faith. As a matter of fact, it's oftentimes messy. You know who said that? Me. Because I've lived it. You've lived it. Amazing faith is not a perfect faith. As a matter of fact, it's oftentimes messy. It's trusting Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. Our job is to move, to struggle, and to trust. Amen? I want to close with a story about a tightrope walker. It's said that he is probably the greatest tightrope walker ever to ever walk this earth. Charles Bloden, in the late 1800s, he would put a rope from one side of Niagara Falls to the other, People would come from all over the place. The very first time he walked across the Niagara Falls, he had a um, 39, 36, 39-pound um, bar that helped stabilize him. He made it one, from one side to the other. The place went crazy. Then he went back. The place went crazy. Well, as I read up on the story, uh, there's so much on the Internet about him. He would go, and he would do it backwards. And then he did it uh, blindfolded. And one time, and again, it's on the internet, so it's true. <laughs> one time he walked across, went halfway, sat down, and he fried an egg. But one of these times, there was some royalty there, and, and, and he got a wheelbarrow, and he walked across the tightrope with this wheelbarrow, and everyone was amazed and clapped. And then he put a bag of uh, potatoes in there, and he walked back the other way. Then he went up to the royalty and said, man, do you think someone could actually sit in this wheelbarrow and go across? Do you think I could get them across? And they're like, yes, yes, yes. And the crowd went, yes, yes, yes. And he says, get in the wheelbarrow. Royalty said, no. 
The crowd's going, we believe you can do it. We believe you can do it. And he goes, which one of you would like to go in the wheelbarrow? And it got dead silent. <laughs> which one of you? You were all shouting, believe, believe, but now it's time to get in the wheelbarrow. This little lady comes walking out. I'll go. She gets in the wheelbarrow. He pushes her across. The place went nuts. The story goes on to say this. It was his mom. I think what God is calling all of us to do this morning as we talk about amazing faith is to get in the wheelbarrow. We could chant and cheer and all that. We believe, we believe in the chairs and sing all the songs and do all the things. But he's calling us to get in the wheelbarrow. He's calling us to take that little jar of water where we're just about to kill over of thirst and to trust a note to pour all that water out knowing that if we do that, we'll have all the water we need. But we got to move. We got to struggle. And we got to trust. What is God calling you and I to today? God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this story. Thank you for this father that is just so real that I can relate to. Because this isn't all pretty. There was... There was some mess in this story. There was some realness. That's our lives, God. But thank you that you care enough and are patient enough to walk through that process with us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Now God's people said amen. We hope this message was a blessing to your life, and we would love it if you could share it with your friends and family members. You can also visit us online at wvcch.org or join us live at one of our four Sunday services. We would love to see you here.